Welcome to episode 6 of the Avatar Hour podcast, the show where we discuss all things Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And this week, we are discussing how Avatar as a TV series depicts its police and in-the-world law enforcement. Before we start, we do want to let you know that we will be discussing full spoilers for both Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. However, you are free from spoilers regarding any Avatar universe comic books and also The Rise of Kyoshi and its sequel, The Shadow of Kyoshi books. Before we get into the news, Kayla, how's your week been? Uh, I mean, pretty, you know, kind of eventful and uneventful at the same time, if I'm honest. Uh, I started up classes this week, so I'm in this, you know, hybrid accelerated program where I'm like halfway between uh, undergrad and finishing undergrad and beginning grad school. And I was at, like, I was uh, working this weekend and someone said, oh, when I told them that, I'm like, and they're like, oh, you must have a death wish. I'm like, you don't have to call me out like that, buddy. That wasn't yeah. necessary. It seems stressful anytime we talk about it. It seems pretty stressful what you're doing. I still don't know what to do this week. Yeah, you I don't know. If, you're telling me you don't know if you have homework this week or not. I don't know. It's a weird week. Some classes are like, oh, we're going right into this, you know, right into everything. I mean, one class, I mean, my project isn't like my work for the week isn't due until like the six or something. So it's not a big deal. But like, you know, we're already like, oh, OK, we're starting school now. Let's go. You know? Yeah. So I'll have to double check. And I'm a TA this semester, too. So I'm doing a lot of schoolwork. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And most of it's online. So it's going to be a very interesting semester. Uh, tune in next week to find out how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. How nice about you? I've talked a lot about me. <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, it's been a very, um, very quiet week on my part. I'm just chilling. I started a, a new job. Um, and yeah. And here we are doing the podcast, uh, really pushing the deadline on this one because I had to reschedule and we are recording it on Sunday night. So if the episode comes a little late. It should still come out on Monday, but it might be a little later than that. So sorry about that in advance. It's okay. Life happens, you know? But, yeah. Definitely won't be the last time. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And uh, so let's just swing into the news. We don't have any new news this week news, yeah. um there's still some leftover anger and disappointment in the fandom that's caused by break's departure from the netflix live action avatar series but it's kind of simmered down a little bit but you know um a lot of the fans still are a little uh peeved about this and to be honest i don't blame them we had a whole discussion about this already so yep no one's getting to it more <laughs> yep yeah you definitely don't see people like changing their minds or anything but it's definitely uh it's died down a little bit um for the better we'll see yeah, I mean, also another thing is it's kind of like Avatar, like, yeah, Avatar, Avatar discourse in general, unless you're, like, following people on, uh, you know, social media that are watching Avatar, like, minus the fan accounts and minus the fan groups and stuff, like, kind of just overall discourse about Avatar and Legend of Korra has kind of gone down on my normal social media feed. I just noticed that. Has it? That's, that's interesting. I think I've, I think I've been getting more of it on TikTok, um... TikTok likes to show me a lot of Avatar videos, and every time I go on there, it's it's usually like videos one after the other, mostly talking about Korra. And I'm also seeing a lot of people like really defending Korra as a show as well, so that's cool. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think there's a TikTok we want to discuss as part of uh, one of our points later in this episode. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, let's let's get into it. So let's roll up. We this was like a topic that we. Like when we were um, thinking about doing the show, I think this was um, one of the first topics that we wanted to talk about. Um, and so it's the main idea of it is we're going to be talking about how the Avatar universe explores the idea of law enforcement and a judicial system and especially how it relates to our world, because I think that's that can that's really where the interesting conversations are. But and to do this, we're going to be talking about how each nation or city or kingdom in this world handles these things. And we are also talking about this in a time where tensions are very high and blatant injustices are being committed against black and brown communities in our country by the police and law enforcement sworn to protect them. And we on this podcast unequivocally support Black Lives Matter. If Absolutely. you don't, please stop listening. Um and we want to let anyone know who is listening that is affected by police brutality in this country to know that we stand with you and that this podcast loves you and supports you. 
but that is generally going to be the lens that we will be viewing this discussion with because anything else seems a little irresponsible of us. So that's our little disclaimer right off the bat. So like I said, we're going we're going through each facet of this world and sort of talking about it. You want to start with the Air Nation, Kayla? Well, according to the Avatar Wiki, which is going to be our pretty much our main source for this episode, um, the Air Nomads seem to have the only nation that doesn't seem to have any sort of law enforcement or uh, judicial system. Mm-hmm. Um, it says here that when someone commits a crime, they're just shunned by the Air Nomads and um, they're post- you know, their post-death records are put into a lesser status because, you know, committing a crime like murder or something like that goes against everything that they believe in. So pretty much they just resort to just shunning them out of their society and kind of shunning them out of their history a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that would be considered like a theocracy? I mean, I know spirituality is a big part of, you know, the Air Nation. Um, I put it in the doc because it was it was the first word that came to me uh, when thinking about the Air Nation, but I wouldn't theocracy, but maybe not like the Western understanding of the word. I just think that um, because their their society doesn't seem to have, as far as we know, any um, rigid rules against anything like crime or anything, and especially the way they they sort of definitely shun people from their society is very similar to a, to a theocratic society. Um, but I, I, I use that word like kind of like flippantly with this because it, it really is like, it doesn't fill out all the criteria, but it's just what, what it reminds me of. What do you, what do you think? Would you agree with that? Kind of a yes and no sort of thing. I can see aspects of it because, you know, spirituality is a big part of it. The spiritual leaders seem to have a lot of weight in their opinion and mm-hmm. they seem to have some sort of government with that, with like the, the kind of like the spiritual leaders of the Air Nation. I can say yes, but um, at the same time, like, I don't know if theocracy is the right word to say it, but, you know, spirituality definitely has a pretty big role to play in mm-hmm. everything in the Air Nomad's life. Yeah, well, what's interesting is the Avatar Wiki um, specifically cites murder as being the thing that will definitely get you shunned from um, the 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 air temples or the society. But so are we meant to believe like, I mean, airbenders have definitely killed people in the past, but I, I think maybe it's like maybe just like not murder wholeheartedly, but like if it's like cold blooded, like if it wasn't like completely justified but even then, like, who decides that if they don't have a judicial system? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's kind of a big question mark with the Air Nation and how they run things. And I wonder if, like, if if this changes after the Legend of Korra. Um, and because, sin- like, since, especially when you see later, we'll talk about Republic City, but the way they handle things, it it just shifts. It seems to shift every couple of years how they how they run that government. But I think Republic City has a lot less tradition grounding their societal behaviors. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think that's interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think that you know, I don't think anyone had a problem with you know the Air Nomads kind of having this. Uh, you wrote it in the notes, kind of described it as like vigilante justice. You described it as in the show notes with like the Air Nation. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of taking over after Korra's healing from her encounter with Zaheer. Yeah, and that's interesting because that's the first sort of instance of um, any sort of Airbenders being any ki- kind of law enforcement, and and that's also like a strict, a, a very loose term to describe them as. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's interesting. I don't think that that would have happened um maybe more uh traditional times i think that was a very um very special situation where the avatar was out of commission for the foreseeable future and tenzin decided that they were going to step up and trying to heal and also like bossing say is like in tatters after zaheer assassinates the queen so it was a very special you know circumstance but i i yeah I, i have to wonder like if it was in any other circumstance, would people be okay with the Air Nomads taking on that role? Because it doesn't confine specifically to the Air Nations. Like they're like um, Kai and Jinora are in Earth Kingdom territory, like making sure taking out bad guys and stuff like that. 
we don't see it in the show that that anyone has a problem with it. I'm just wondering if it, maybe in another circumstance the world would be okay with that. You know. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. Interesting point. Um, so how about the Fire Nation? So yeah, the, <laughs> taking a hard left turn here. The Fire Nation had a very different approach um, in, in that it used its country's army as its law enforcement, which we are definitely not seeing happening here. Um, and although we don't know if 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 or how this changed after the Hundred Year War, um, they're also known for their high security prisons that we see throughout the show, both in Avatar and Legend of Korra. Like, you know, Haru on the metal boat and Hama in the prison with no water and those special prisons. Well, those aren't Fire Nation, but um, they they seem to definitely like, especially when they took that role in that war and were colonizing and imprisoning people, they had to find ways to make sure if they were benders that they would have to limit access to any bendables. Um, But mostly like the Air Nation, we don't see any sort of judicial system with the fire nation either i guess you could infer that that kind of stuff lands to the fire lord but we also don't know really what the the fire lord is also meant to do because we never see it really in action except except for fire lord azumi but in the way she describes her role when she refuses to send fire nation troops to help um fight kuvira they're very much an almost isolationist after the Hundred Years' War, much like the Air Nation, which I think is really interesting. But it also seems like they they just love to solve things with murder and Agni Kai's. So, don't really know about that. But, yeah, not not much in the way of, of you know, a judicial system in the Fire Nation. Yeah, I mean, well, what the Fire Nation and Air Nation seem to lack in, uh, you know, canon-established judicial systems. The Water Tribes and the Earth Kingdom definitely have a lot more to talk about with this sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so both the Northern and Southern Water Tribes, um, I mean, yeah, we still we, we say in the notes that they have very little in terms of law enforcement, but there's definitely a little bit more than what's given about the Air Nation or Fire Nation. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the Fire Nation where they have like the army and the police kind of serving the same role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, punishments include execution, um, or Cora's father, for instance, who was exiled, you know, he, you know, it's another means of uh, punishment, kind of similar to Air, the Air Nation, where they're kind of exiled from culture and stuff like that. Um, and life imprisonment, like uh, the rebels in the Southern Water Tribe um, in season two, Legend of Korra, how they were almost sent to life in prison. Um, the Northern Water Tribe has the chief who's in charge of the judici- uh, judicial system, and the council seems to be more of a group of advisors than like lawmakers or law enforcers. Mm-hmm. Is that council the council that we see in um, season two of Legend of Korra? Okay, is that in the Southern Water Tribe or the Northern Water Tribe? I it wasn't that specific in the avatar wiki i'm going to say probably both but i think in Korra we saw the southern water tribe but however umalak did bring in that one judge that he trusted and also kind of bribed him into you know handling the the yeah that's okay i'm trying to remember because they they come back to the southern tribe after Korra opens the portal and they take tonrock from his house so I'm a, that has to be in the Southern Water Tribe. Um, and the Southern Water Tribe obviously is much smaller than the Northern Water Tribe because of the attacks by the Fire Nation. Um, uh, you know, obviously at the beginning of The Last Airbender, we see that, you know, a lot of people, the men of the village, went to go and fight in the war. So it wasn't much of a formal judicial system. I mean, Sokka probably seemed to be the judge, jury, and executioner a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, when we see him, because he's the one who tries to banish Aang from the village and all that stuff. Right. And, Again, this is this is probably where people that have read the comics are like, oh my god, like, they they get right into this. I'm sorry, guys, we just did not have time to read all the comics before we started this podcast. We were just really excited to, to go ahead and start. I promise we'll get there eventually. Um... But let's pivot to the Earth Kingdom. The Earth Kingdom is is really where it's at with law enforcement and 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 lots of different forms systems. of it too. Lots of different forms, which I mean makes sense because it's the largest sort of nation in in this world. Um, 
but let's start with bossing say because that's that's where we get most of that um bossing say specifically has the daily that was created by avatar kiyoshi to protect the citizens of the city but it started like that but it, until long fang got in power and they suddenly became this like powerful secret police that enforce rules and policies without any check on their power um which is again a hard left turn with what they were meant to do and it brings up like questions of like was avatar kiyoshi right in doing this and creating the dai li um even if if the intent was correct you know is is that could be i could see where people could critique that especially like in world you know um but weirdly enough same thing as the fire nation and the air nation we don't see any sort of judicial process in Bossing Say. Again, as far as we know, it seems to fall mostly to the Earth King or Queen at the time. Um, and when it's and yeah, and when it's not by the King and Queen, then it's by you know the the, the Dai Li, the secret police. Um, so I mean, that's that holds a, a whole lot of questions and causes a lot of problems because. I mean, I guess that's what happens in a monarchy. Like, it really only falls to one person to decide all of that. But I think, like, I'm thinking more in terms of just, like, sort of, like, petty crime. Like, especially in Bossing Say, where the, 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 you got the lower ring, middle, and upper ring that are very cordoned off from each other, that are very sort of, like, um, separated from each other. So I wonder if those rings separately have their own sort of judicial system because i mean like the earth king or queen is not gonna you know talk about some sort of misdemeanor like is not gonna decide on that you know there's too many people's in, there's too many people in the city to do that i'm just picturing right now like uh have you seen emperor's new groove i have not okay well this is one scene where like yzma who's the uh emperor's advisor but wants to be emperor uh, played by the legendary Eartha Kit, and so she's like dealing with all of, like the all the peasants are coming to her, and like it doesn't have to do with like crimes or anything. Just they're just going up and they're like, "Yo, we need food, and like we need some help here." And she's like, "You know, why did they get that before they became peasants?" You know, kind of wow. thing. So I'm picturing <laughs> that right now because we don't know what kind of law enforcement things they have for crimes. So it's just like you know, I'm strangely like thinking like the Earth Queen with like her attitude kind of reminding a little bit of Isma, except she's much less amusing than Isma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's well you know what's interesting is that the avatar depending on who we're talking about is also acting as some kind of international law enforcement but maybe not i mean like we see Korra and asami um try to get try to get the the one up on some like bounty hunters or something or so they were like stealing taxes from the queen or something but i guess that was that was sanctioned so it's not really like like the vigilante justice the air nomads are doing but i don't know that's interesting um yeah but i think i think also because of the monarchy i think that's also where like a lot of the class disparity is like um prevalent especially in, in especially in cora where it is monumentally worse either it's worse or it it's worse because we don't see the the stark differences really in in avatar so you know i don't know yeah it was kind of like when it came to the city like you know, some city stuff but you don't really get to see like you know you kind of see it on a more in intimate level with mako mm -hmm. when you see mako and balloon's family living you know the way that they're living in the lower ring of bossing say and yeah you don't get to see as much of that kind of exposure to you know lower class citizens in the city just a taste of it but not that much yeah, I think we do have a, a episode planned that we're we're going to be specifically talking about uh, bossing say in every every topic uh, regarding that. But yeah, definitely, I think that that's really interesting. Um, there are also a couple of smaller examples that we see in the Earth Kingdom. Um, in the Avatar Day episode, we do see some semblance of a judicial system <laughs> in the Chin Village. Um, it's a pretty unfair system, um, admittedly. I mean, uh, I have a they, wheel of punishment, so I guess probably that's the most fair part of it, I guess. Burned in oil, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> community service, please be community service. Oh, God. I haven't seen this in Like, forever. they have some really dark stuff on that wheel, too, anyway. I gotta look at that um, wheel again. It's been a while. One of them's, like, eaten by sharks or eels or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> also, I love sharks in Avatar. What would they be? Whale sharks? That's well, are whale sharks already exist, though. Oh, I guess don't right. they? Octopus sharks. That's o- well, octopus sharks. Imagine shark-tipus. that. Octopus. <laughs> It okay. Is, all right, is, taking us right back. No, we're going uh, back. Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> I, I go into all discussion about like you know terrible like B movies on like sci-fi about sharks, but we're not gonna <laughs> go there today. That's a different episode. Yeah, but but in that in that specific instance, yeah, the the mayor and I, I like to refer to him as Chifu from Mulan because I think it's the same voice actor. But um, the mayor is like complete is in complete charge of every aspect. Not only is he the judge, he is the lawyer. And then he also decides the verdict. <laughs> so Avatar is a guy. I, th- I, I think there has to be some sort of commentary here about how either there is no judicial system or the ones that do exist in the world do not work at all. If it It's hard not to think like it's some commentary. Like, we see you, break. Um, yeah, and then some smaller examples. Season 3 of Legend of Korra, we see that uh, in Zalfu, um, that interrogation and pers- persecution just falls to Ai Wei as the truth seer. And they even point out in the episode, like, the only person that has secrets is him, which is, I mean, right from the get go. I remember watching that episode from the get go and just being like, you know, that guy's a little shifty. They put so as soon as I saw, it. as soon as I saw the piercing going to the earring i'm like i don't know if i trust it's the you. piercing that got you yeah it's the piercing sound like my dad well because that's very <laughs> well, that's very because no, no no i don't i don't trust him because no. of the piercing <laughs> don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not <laughs> oh god okay i know i know what that sounded like it's not because he was wearing the piercing that i distrusted him it was the idea that like the, the whoever animated was like okay he's gonna be really important so we have to give them this very unique thing that kids can recognize because they all wear like the same colors there i guess yeah i know how that sounded anyway moving on <laughs> i'm sorry people with piercings i i okay i'm sorry canceled um moving on uh it's worse things you use worse things that you be canceled for let's be honest i guess yeah anyway um amashu which we will be that's our i think our next episode is the king of amashu that we're we'll be covering um same thing here king boomy judge jury executioner overall just shit starter um we stand <laughs> but yeah same thing same thing there i think the avatar wiki did say something about how there is a police of sorts in amashu um, and I think it's it's specifically the people that are chasing them on the the mailing sort of viaduct system they have in Omashu. Um, but yeah, I know there there are plenty of d- other like cities and towns that we could talk about, but that's sort of the main three or four um, that stand out to us specifically for this topic. Yeah. So the kind of the biggest thing that what got us into this episode topic was the Republic City law enforcement because out of all of these some of the aspects of the Republic City police, um, you know, kind of connect a little bit with law enforcement today, you know? Some? <laughs> some? I was trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, the law enforcement in Republic City is a lot more established. We see a lot more of it, um, you know, in literally like we, one of the first things you see in Legend of Korra when she arrives in public, the Republic City is the airships. Um, so the airships kind of start in the city and Korra does get captured by an airship when she's trying to run away after, you know, busting some triple threats. Um, and they have... I have to say here, you put it, you put in the dock these air. I'm sorry for interrupting, but you put in the dock these are airships that are circling the city, kind of like less noisy helicopters. I feel like that's to our benefit. Those airships... And those flight patterns, I'm sure people making movies in Republic City are like, oh my god, we cannot shoot because there's going to be an airship coming in the next hour and it's going to sound like a volcano. I think that's for our benefit. I guess, but, you know, just (laughs) what we see of it. We're basing off (laughs) of what we see of those airships. Why do you think Varric never made movies in Republic City? The flight patterns of the police airships. I was just going to say how hard it probably is to, you know, control aspects of Republic City, I guess, like the Oh, the zoning, the location scouting, yeah. Just exactly. impossible. It's work, so that's why if they do CGI cities, it's why, you know... Anyway, that's not important. Uh, metal bending cops, so 
pretty much all the cops, as far as I know. The least the ones that we see in uniforms, like around the city, like Spider Man, Nemesis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they all have to be metal benders. Okay. I think that's implied. And, yes. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. Metal bending cops are kind of cool. I love the way the the ropes just kind of. I just think it's so cool. I know we hate cops, but you sit around the city like Spider Man, you know. I can't deny a good, you know, a good design. I just yeah. can't. Sorry. Um. Yeah. So it's also like there. You see them. They're kind of stationed in different areas of the city. So you see, like for instance, when Cora's cooking fish and fishing and stuff in the park, uh, you know, they have places like, hey, you can't can't fish here buddy so so this is a lot more less chill than i just did but i also just took a i took a melatonin before this so it's starting to kick in a little bit i'm sorry (laughs) should not have done that (laughs) anyway so they have their own chief of police um toff beifong and then eventually lin beifong were both chiefs of police in republic city um clearly there's corruption as we see in several different occurrences on the show um especially in season one, which we're going to talk about in probably a minute, less than a minute. Um, at one point in season one, for instance, Lynn's replacement as chief, um, he had straight up said at one point, like, you know, in, to a press conference that, yeah, you know, that he only be reporting to one member of the Council of Republic of the United Nations, and that would be Tarlock. And I'm like, hmm. Which, yikes, yeah. Like, um, I think he, he said specifically the equalist movement i will be reporting only to tarlock which even then i mean like i mean that's like well i can't i can't draw a real pair i was about to say it's like our uh like a police chief somewhere is like anything about nazis i will only report to the governor or something like that like especially if it's something that affects the livelihood of people in the city you know i don't know that's weird yeah, well, I mean, clearly it's to show, like, the power grabs that's, and stuff that Tarloff was making. Oh, yeah, the lobbying. Taking yeah. advantage of the situation to get more power. Yeah, well, and also the the idea that, that the police are, are intertwined with politicians, too. It's a very subtle way of doing it, but it's it's there nonetheless. Eh, how subtle is it really? It's kind of, it's kind of pretty cut and dry, especially as someone okay. watching us who's older and, you know... Sure, yeah. But, yeah. So, one of the things, I think partially why we wanted to talk about law enforcement was because of this one scene in season one of Legend of Korra. Uh, so, set the scene, there's um, you know, the new teen avatar, Korra, Asami, Bullet, and Mako, uh, you know, going to the city and kind of administer some of their own vigilante justice against the equalists, um, mm-hmm. you know, as they're starting to get more power in the city. Uh, at one point, they They're hear Batman. Avatar. Sounds so stupid. Oh my goodness. Um, but anyway, so they arrive at the scene because they hear that oh, there's a equalist rally happening in the streets. Let's go stop it. They arrive and they found out that you know it they cut off power to this area where bender where non benders were living. And so all the people came out and said, you know, came out of their apartments and were like, hey, we need, like, power. Like, you know, this, is, this isn't okay. You can't do this. You know, it's, it's not right. And, you know, Cora sees this and sees that they're all trying to, like, you know, just trying to get their power back. They're not equalists. They're just people, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually it escalates and you see the unnecessary displays of force by the police officers as ordered by Tarlock. Um... I remember there's a TikTok that broke down this scene. If you remember, I remember, I think you sent it to me. Oh, I did. It was a while back though, but it, it's very much like beat for beat of of literally what's happening with um, these these marches and rallies for Black Lives Matter, which I think is interesting because the the movement it's, itself didn't come until like 2014, I want to say, um, but. I'm not saying like police brutality didn't exist until then, obviously, but I think the the specificity of it, especially relating to how it is now, I mean, like these these people aren't armed, they're dangerous, you know, like they just want to be treated like people. Like it is very much a one to one correlation in a lot of the things 
Um, but the the only thing is is that the metal benders don't act until Tarlock tells them to. So we don't we don't ever really see a the the metal benders as they're depicted in the show are level headed and only act if necessary. Um, which right off the bat, not what we're dealing with, but um I think they're they they make they do make a distinction of but I don't I also don't think they're they're ever painted in like a, a super good light because even though they're just like it's the whole following orders thing, like you're depriving people of the right to just have their power on, you know, especially like grouping and generalizing the non benders with the equalist movement. I and mean, like that's also with Antifa, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and implicating them in the in a crime that they that they didn't commit. And there is a very strong resistance, especially by Tenzin. Like he, he tells Tarlock, like, you cannot pass this law because it will just it will just make things worse. And it does. It just it just makes the the entire entire predicament worse. Um but I think even when Korra does step in and some people do escape, you have to wonder, like, what happens when they leave? You know, like, we don't see what happens after they leave. And uh, uh, as- I would assume that this is going on almost every night as well, even if even if Korra and everyone else isn't there. So, yeah, it's really that scene. I- I've watched it a couple of times before this, and it is it's. I'm not going to say it's hard to watch, but it's like, it's a little too close for comfort. You know what I mean? Like really, really hits home. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying that as a, as a white person that has never experienced anything like this, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think Legend of Korra, even if they weren't intending for it to be such an allegory for something like that, I think it, it should deserve. I think it is an allegory. Cause I remember, I mean, we could definitely draw parallels between like the war on drugs, for instance, and how that, oh, you yeah. know, impacted communities of color still impacts communities of color today mm-hmm. um you know and the audio from nixon uh about like saying like you know associate crack with black people and associate uh you know marijuana with hippies you know yeah and then we'll be able to go after both of those communities kind of thing you know i'm very much paraphrasing that's basically what he said in the audio watch 13th oh, by yeah. like on netflix it's an incredible documentary about law enforcement and you know uh incarceration system that we have in the united states really watch it it's you know absolutely opened my mind and uh but that's not about gushing on that but i really think it's a good thing for everyone to be watching right now um but yeah i can definitely see those kind of parallels with like you know associating innocence you know innocent people with you know something scarier when you know not every single non-bender was an equalist you know yeah definitely i'm gonna be drawing some very thin parallels but they're there i think they're there yeah well before we go any further we are going to take a quick break for our ad read we'll see you after the break okay and we're back um yeah so let's continue that discussion about republic city because as we were talking about it um i realized that the way that Tarlock says they are the enemy, essentially. I mean, it, it really is um it's so layered because they're 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 acting exactly the way Amon says benders react. Do you know what I mean? Like they are acting in like complete opposition of their own interests because when you have like an like someone like Amon um demonizing you for for oppressing people with this special ability that you have and in a way of answering that, you do the exact same thing, which is also happening. Like, why are we? Why are Black Lives Matter people protesting? Police, police brutality, right? How do the police answer with more police brutality? It's the same. It's the same thing. I've heard the song before. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's interesting that the show takes it another step and it makes you question. Like, does Amon have a point? Like, these people are just like. Are, are just non-benders living in, in this city and just trying to go about their lives unless they have that equalist garb on and they're blocking chi then they they can't they should not be lumped up with a bunch of people i'm gonna i'm gonna like take it another step and it, it might be too much but this is kind of what happened with the aids crisis back in the 80s like they people that were being ravaged by this thing 
were painted as the enemy and the reason why the country is is going into disrepair because to them because to them the AIDS crisis was a solution to get rid of undesirables i know we're getting a little dark here but that's that's what it was like they were very much painted as the enemy of the people spreading around this thing and killing their own and it's very very dark the way our government handled that and i think it's the same thing here. Like once once government and, and police and, and politicians start getting away of, of just basic rights, like just having your fucking power on, you know, I it's it's deep for a kid show to put it very, very bluntly. And I mean, I know that the public city isn't exactly like the NYPD or any of these big police departments in the United States. But like you can't deny that the, the previous history that this came from, you know, like there's yeah. plenty of like real world stuff, you know, like especially in core because we see cars, we see radio, we see sports, you know, that kind of thing. You can't deny the real world implications and stuff that bled into this show. So yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and I think that's a the way they approach the, the this police force in Republic City. I think is is a very nuanced approach. I do think in later seasons they are. Um, we see less of them, but they are still kind of like a, as long as Lynn is the chief, then they are a good force. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that could go either way, depending on, depending on how you see it. Um, some might say even Lynn is, is, you know, benefiting from that power, but I don't know. It's a very, very multi-layered sort of issue, but I think the way it's handled in season one is very nuanced. And I think, at the very least responsible of the writers to address some of that, especially for kids to, to be like, well, sometimes the cops are not the protectors of the peace. You know, they are the ones threatening that peace. Um, but yeah, well, we talked a lot about the metal benders. There's just a lot to talk about there. I mean, it's probably the most that we got to talk about. It's probably the most we've seen of law enforcement in this universe and the reason we did this episode in the first place was because we wanted to talk about Republic City and law enforcement. Yeah, and in later seasons of Korra, even though the mental betters take sort of a backseat, Mako becomes a cop in season two, which, I mean, we've kind of talked about it in the past. Like, it, it seems like a... I feel like maybe the writers didn't really know what to do with Mako after um, he ended things with Korra or even when he got together with Korra. Um, but him becoming a cop is very much like, not like the rogue cop stereotype, but just like the really naive cop that just like wants to do things right. And you see that um, when he's sort of dealing with those two detectives, Liu and Gong, and they're, they don't care. They, they're just eating at their desks, which is like another way of portraying corrupt police is the apathy and the laziness. I mean, I'm not a, a true crime person, but I know enough about true crime to know that the reason most of those go unsolved is because the police are incompetent and lazy. Um, so, sorry. Um, but I think I think that was that, that was interesting, especially when they're doing like the the whole thing with like the bombing of the 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 cultural center and everything. And detectives are just like, unless Lynn makes them do something, they will not do anything. There's even that thing of like Mako giving him the, the paper or the picture of a suspect and they just put it in a desk with other pictures. Like they don't, they just, they just don't care. They're in it for the power. Um, but yeah, I mean like, I also don't know how I feel about Mako becoming a cop because it's like, I mean, he's definitely not painted as like one of the bad ones, but um, it just feels like a, you know, a kind of a, a shrug moment i guess for his character i think it was just kind of another way to have him like kind of keep him involved with the action you know yeah. because like you know with the police storyline you're allowing them to like kind of still have the action aspect maybe add a little bit more of an investigation mystery mm-hmm. add that into it so that's what kind of kept it's it kind of blatantly obvious that mako was kind of like a tin can tied to the story I could, yeah <laughs> a I could little see, bit i could see why they did it like if I were to stretch it and be like, well, he's very protective of Bo Lin, so to him being protective of the entire city would mean becoming a cop or something like that. I don't know, but I think I think they kind of play it up in season three where we don't see him becoming a cop, but like it's very much he's using like a lot of his like detective skills to like figure out the red lotus thing. Um, so it comes out in subtle ways, but 
again, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm just kind of like, eh, it's just there. Yeah. I think it's it's better than his role in season four when he's just kind of like Wu's babysitter. But yeah, very few things I don't like about season four and that is uh, one of them. So well, now, since even though we don't have that much of an opinion with Mako being a cop, uh, there's definitely been a lot of fandom discourse about a particular character who was in The Last Airbender and was reintroduced again on Korra, you know, obviously the older person. Um, we're talking about Toph, in case you couldn't figure it out. We're talking about Toph becoming a cop. Um, she was the first chief of police of the Republic City PD. Um, there is an article that we found on inverse.com that says about Toph being a t- cop. The decision by the show's creators and head writers to turn Toph into a symbol of sat systemic oppression reveals how little they understood her character. That's a pretty scathing, you know, thing to say about this. But it's kind of the same kind of argument I keep seeing people make about Toph being a cop when she's older. What do you think? I don't I don't know how I feel about this, mainly because of the way this article is written, especially when um I get I get really iffy when when people tell writers that they don't understand their characters because um as a writer myself, I mean like those characters live in our heads rent-free and we're thinking about them constantly and anytime someone says something like that like how little they understood a character i think it's another way of saying i had a different interpretation of that character and because your depiction of it didn't fit it then you don't understand it that's where i'm sort of seeing it i i think that this this article raises some good points it does seem like there's a disconnect there and god i wish i remembered i could find that tiktok that was like no here's why it makes sense and i don't even remember what the points were if people know what tiktok i'm talking about please link it to us but i can totally see the disconnect between you know top was was really against any sort of authority and wanted to do things on her own terms and not be tied down to anything and then to see her become the chief of police i don't know like I think it's it's more I think like the way they said she becomes a symbol of systemic oppression I think it's more about Toph just wanting to be in, in control of how justice is served. That makes you know sense what I mean? for her character. Like, Cuz I think I think when we meet Toph her parents don't let her fight anybody. Like they they don't let her do anything and and I feel like this is Toph's way of being like, I want to be, I want to do good things to this world. I want to help it. Um, and I know there there are probably a lot of things that connect this decision in the comic books, but um, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it. Like sometimes I, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes I'm just like, well, does it make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like you go back and forth on that? I think Toph's kind of character are going from like, child to you know badass swamp witch top that we see in legend of Korra season four she kind of comes a little bit full circle i mean she was you know anti-authority then became the authority and then retired became a swamp witch and i don't i don't mean swamp witch in a derogatory way whatsoever that is a term of endearment for me <laughs> yeah well, let's let's talk about that that flashback scene in season three where Toph has to essentially erase Su Yin's record, and we know later on that that killed Toph to do that, so she resigned. So, like doing this, like erasing any sort of crime Su Yin has committed just because she's her daughter, it drove her to resign from the position, which is like. At first, it's it's definitely her taking her power as that authority figure and that and being chief of police and taking that power and and doing things in a way that it benefits her. But I think I think the fact that she resigned because of it, I think she has such a strong uh, internal sense of justice and doing the right thing that I think that broke her to resign. Do you know what I mean? Like. I can in in those terms I can see it like the one time that she abuses her power she resigns and I think there is a parallel to how when Lynn resigned because she didn't feel like she could effectively lead the department I mean these are very like 
very uh, uh, in, in, selfless. Like the the integrity is there, and it's it's very cognizant of the power that uh, the the position holds. So I think that's why that's why when I see like symbol of systemic oppression, I I don't see it that way because Toph knows the position she holds, and the one time she abuses it, she resigns from the position. So again, I can I can understand the critique, especially at a very surface level, uh, connecting real life law enforcement with Republic City's law enforcement. But I don't know. I, again, I'm going back and forth on it. Even as I, I don't edit. really have a set answer for this as to you know whether Toph being a cop is a good or a bad thing. You know, for her character. Yeah, could be both. Por qué no las dos? Could be both. I don't know. <laughs> Any any other thoughts on Toph before we start to wrap it up? I think we cleaned. I think we cleared up Toph's situation pretty well. Um, cool. I'm definitely interested to talk a bit more about like her relation, her like her arc again with um, you know, as an adult in Korra compared to like the yeah. other members of the gang. So yeah, if you guys have thoughts on this, stay tuned to the end where we read all of our socials where you can reach us. But yeah, I definitely want to see some people's um, sort of thoughts about this. Um, but Speaking of listener feedback, this week's Fandom Corner is from one of our listeners on Twitter at Chef underscore J underscore money. By the way, love that username. Um, and they uh, wrote in to talk about something that happened at the end of season two of Korra. Um, they wrote, if Unavatu won when he got reincarnated, would it be to another water waterbender or would it follow the traditional cycle? What do you think? I would Kayla? say reverse. In I'd reverse. say the cycle would reverse. You know, mm. it's like, I don't remember the order of the original cycle, but I think, you know, because I mean, it's like, like dark Water, opposites. Earth, so fire, air. Okay. So then the opposite. Also, <laughs> that melatonin's really messed with you. It's, well, also, it's in the I beginning just, of every episode. <laughs> guess what? I haven't memorized that part. Most of it I know is like the you four haven't? nations live together in harmony. I that, That's the part where I start reciting is long ago, the four no, nations live together in harmony. It's the very beginning from the well, zero, sorry. the zero colon zero zero. Guess That's what? The I intro. forgot. <laughs> so the opposite Here's... direction. Personally, I would say because it's the opposite avatar, opposite side of the, you know, opposite cycle, I guess, I would say it would go in reverse the avatar cycle. Here's my thing. I don't think there would be a cycle. Because I think, because wasn't the cycle started by Rava because he got the the elements in the order of the cycle right he got fire and then he got air and then he got water and then earth right and i think that's why the cycle is that way because it's the order of the elements that he got maybe i might be i might be wrong on that but i think the cycle exists because rava is intentionally reincarnating herself into different people and she's just following that cycle i don't know what would happen like if if because Unalak fused with Vatu, does that make Unalak immortal? Because he's a spirit, he can't die. Vatu is a spirit. So, like, would it would they need to be well, I guess it's it's the thing with Rava. I mean, like, the avatars aren't immortal. So I don't know. Would he get reincarnated? Huh. Well, <laughs> personally, I would say yeah. Maybe Vatu would find would find someone else a host i guess is the word we probably say yeah he might find someone else but also like that final form he takes i mean like that's not unalak anymore they they really like fuse the two together so i don't know that is a great question i i'm not probably the best person to ask because i i still don't understand much of the the final episodes of of legend of Korra, but add that to the list of things we need to ask brick if we ever get them on this podcast honestly i don't think they have the answer either they'll probably be like who knows who knows because we didn't write that part guys <laughs> y'all think uh, too much <laughs> it's an interesting question though yeah, yeah absolutely thanks for asking that so like andre said before um we want to hear from you obviously you know today we got uh it was a direct message for this one mm-hmm so we got a direct message from someone and we read it out loud on the show. So, you know, if you have any suggestions on topics you want to see us discuss or rather hear us discuss on the show or any comments on any of our episodes, including this one, you can email us directly at the avatar hour podcast at gmail.com. 
And if you'd like to follow us and stay up to date on what we're doing during the week, share your opinions on our fandom polls, or if you just want to know when new episodes drop, you can follow us at on Facebook at the Avatar Hour Podcast, Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast, and Twitter at Avatar Hour. And if you'd like to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. And you can find me at HeyIt's underscore Andre. And that is our episode for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. I am Andre. And I'm Kayla. All right. Bye, everyone. Have a good week. Bye.